Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of. The podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences and similarities between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo. I'm Victoria Valdezia, Data Journalist at YouGov. And today we're talking telly, from what reality TV show Brits would most like to star in, to whether we could fathom life without the goggle box, and if we feel programming is representative enough of the British public. And we are joined by special guest Hannah Flint, freelance TV and film writer and critic for The Guardian, Yahoo Movies, Dazed and many others, and co-host of the Talk Film podcast. Welcome, Hannah. Hello. Hello. Hiya. In November 2017, YouGov Realtime asked the British public which reality TV show they would most like to be on. So I'll start off by asking everyone that question. Hannah, which reality TV show would you star hmm. in? I think I'd... Do you remember that? Uh, and it's not on anymore, but there was <laughs> mm. that show, The Games. Do you remember on Channel 4 where yes, it was like, yes, it was yes. like sporting really one? Good. And, and like I was PE, Yeah, basically. and I was like, I was really good. I was really into sports. Like at school, I did GCSE PE, did basketball, and I was like, mm-hmm. I could absolutely nail that one. So that's the one I would probably do. Mm-hmm. Stuart, uh, what I, would you go for? I have two, because I'm not sure if one of them is technically a reality show. I guess it is, right? Mm. I'd love to do uh, MasterChef. Nice. Um, oh. Just like, because it... I'd love to do it. Mm. But oh, I would really love to do is I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. Would you? So I would pay to do that. What? What appeals oh about God. that? Literally everything appeals about it. Yeah. <laughs> everything Eating. that I think you think appeals about it is exactly why I would never I want to do Me too. But the idea of just being completely out of your comfort zone, the sort of ex- completely new experiences that mm. you would never get a chance to do I don't. I don't understand what is not appealing about that. I think that is one of the best TV shows ever created. <laughs> That's true. Like That's bugs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots of bugs. <laughs> so I admire that response. It's a very open-minded response. It's good. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't like camping, so I think I'm yeah, it. It's a little bit too far. <laughs> Victoria, what do you? What do you pick? Uh, I confess, I've watched very little reality TV. However, mm-hmm. on the little suggested list there, you had Strictly, and I was like, I would like to be good enough at dancing to mm. win Strictly Come Dancing. So I would go on it on the condition that I was good enough to win. <laughs> Do you know any of the dancers that you'd pair up with? No. Do you know any of their names? <laughs> Pasha? Fair enough. Pasha, is that one? <laughs> Sounds great. How one about, of them? Yeah, them. Him. Yeah. <laughs> well, Victoria, you agree with the majority of the British public. <laughs> the most popular choice by far of what reality TV show people want to go on is Strictly Come Dancing. 25% of people pick Strictly. The poll asked people whether they would go on a reality TV show if they had to pick one. So this is a hypothetical answer rather than people who actually would want to go on if they had the choice. (laughs) Um, So yes, Strictly was the most popular choice, followed by I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here on 10%, Big Brother on 5%, then people do this to themselves. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> then Dancing on Ice and Love Island, wow. both on 4%. And finally, The Jump on 3%. I'm surprised there's not more, like you say, MasterChef, there's not mm. more like Bake Off. So or... that wasn't actually one of the options. So the oh. rest of the people didn't pick any of those options. So oh, the, rest, okay. the rest of the people are other. It doesn't necessarily apply with all of them, like Love Island. But there's definitely like a learning thing or like, a, yeah. I want to be able to do that. Right. And Learn to dance. Yeah, Learn For to sure. ice skate. 
I, well, <laughs> I broke my broke my wrist ice skating, so that would be a no from me on Dancing on Ice. Okay. And also, just the amount of injuries people get on the jump. Um, oh, yeah. Why <laughs> anyone would want to do that. It's like, I mean, if even if you... I mean, I... Do you guys all ski? Have you skied before? Yeah, yeah. I've skied. I, I hate I've skied, and I mean, there's no way that after a week I'd be feel proficient enough to do an actual <laughs> yeah. jump. I accidentally went down a black, like a black slope once, and it was terrifying. It was awful. So, for anyone who doesn't know, the jump is a show where celebrities learn to ski jump. And it's extremely dangerous. They're getting sued, aren't they? <laughs> They've been sued. And I had a little look about some of the injuries that have been sustained on the jump. So, Sir Bradley Wiggins broke his leg. Sir Steve Redgrave broke his hand. Someone called Henry Conway. I don't actually know who that is. He also broke his hand. <laughs> Melinda Messenger got concussion. Marcus Brigstock <laughs> tore the ligaments in his knee. Rebecca Adlington dislocated her shoulder. <laughs> and Beth Tweddle, the gymnast, mm. broke two bones in her neck. Jesus. And she's the one who's suing. Yeah. Yeah. She was really, but really you, badly injured. Wait, can, I just, suing? can I just say, though, I feel like it's suing the show. It's like, surely there's a disclaimer you are going on I a TV show that they must have said, hey, guys, by the way, you could actually get really... Like, have you ever done like a certain, <laughs> like certain action-pack adventure and you sign these like oh, waivers? Yeah. The like, yeah. You might yeah, die. You might die. Fault. We're not yeah. responsible. So I don't really understand. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. This is what I were talking about as well because mm. I was like, surely the producers, when they made this show, they knew that probably at some point it was going to get cancelled because someone was going to really yeah. be injured. But, they decided it was going to be worth it. But it's the people who go on where mm. I'm like... It's like Tom Cruise trying to sue for breaking it down. <laughs> yeah. um, so back, back to the poll, there were a few interesting comparisons when you break this down by age and gender. Uh, so 30% of over 60s would go on Strictly compared to just 13% of 18 to 25-year-olds. 10% uh, of 18 to 25-year-olds would go on Dancing on Ice compared to 3% of people in age groups over 50. <laughs> and the younger you are, the more likely you are to want to go on Love Island, yeah. mm. which is not at all surprising. But the numbers are still quite low. 6% of 18 to 25-year-olds want to have a go Why in the villa. Why is it less than... How many 18 to 25-year-olds want to go on Big Brother? Um, I'm just wondering um, why, because I thought Love Island was super popular. Why Big Brother is higher up on the list? So Big Brother, 18 to 25-year-olds, 5% said they want to go on Big Brother. Right, okay. I, I, can, I mean, the, the idea of going on Love Island would bring me out in hives. <laughs> like, just Why? What do you mean? Just appalling. <laughs> yeah. Well, men are three times as likely as women to want to go on Love Island. Well, they're all but idiots. It's, mm. but it's, I, think idiots. It's, I think it's kind of that culture of um, people just wanting to be famous for famous sake. Mm. You know, same as TOWIE. And it's basically an offshoot of that or mm. X on the Beach, these mm. kind of shows where most of the people who go on them, they're not actually looking for love. Oh, they're going yeah, on sure. there and then they get... a a load of followers mm -hmm. and then they yep. start doing start promoting, yeah. and then suddenly they start promoting you know get 20% off with my specific on, on like, my fake nails coupon codes thing. hashtag yeah. spawn hashtag <laughs> ad their Instagram just becomes that definitely you know and they I mean look at I mean there's barely any of them are still in relationships mm. with them but it is we are in a culture where we just want to get the easy way out of seeing this kind of glamorous lifestyle that's been perpetuated by Towie the Kardashians mm. like that's why Kylie Jenner uh, Kylie Jenner is built Millionaire because mm. people are buying this lip kit, which is ridiculous. Yeah, like have you seen this lip kit? It's like thirty, I don't know, fifty dollars really or something for a, for a lipstick, <laughs> a lipstick and a lip and a lip liner. That's so I just it. think it kind of, I think a lot of people are feeding into that. Mm. Oh, that's why they want to go on it. And you know, interestingly enough, with 
people who apply for Love Island, mm. you know, there's only a certain amount who get get in through actually applying. A lot of them are scouted by producers. Yeah. I know someone who was on that, a friend of mine, and she's been scouted for a few years. And he said, come on right. it. And I was like saying to don't. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, because you, you so know, they go to, I'm they, assuming, models and dancers. Well, it's the same in X Factor, you know. The X Factor, they, they look on YouTube. Mm. They find these people. What? and they're certain, I didn't know yeah, that. Same oh, on all these sad. shows. Like, they're not all... I mean, obviously, they have the really, you Behind know, crap people. Behind <laughs> yeah. no, destroying them. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. It's uh, unreality. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. you know what I think is really interesting is when you compare that the figures are so low for something like Love Island mm. or Big Brother or whatever, but the amount of people that watch that True. enormous right yeah. and so it's kind of funny because it's like we are relying on those people who are actually willing <laughs> to put themselves forward wouldn't that, do it like, myself but I want to watch other because even there that's, that question mm. was if you had to yeah. so what if we had just said mm. would you or have you ever put yourself forward it would be such a minute amount well I think so there's an are... element with Love Island though they're all naked pretty much the whole time and I think people would be very insecure <laughs> I would oh, not definitely. want to if you'd have to like put a gun to my head if <laughs> yeah. you had to wear a bikini there is no time. body diversity on Love Island <laughs> yeah. no. um, so a new story I wanted to pick out this was from last year um, which was that more people last year applied for Love Island than for Oxford and Cambridge universities combined. So the fourth series of Love Island received about 85,000 applications, which is more than double received by Oxford and Cambridge. Um, (laughs) And BBC presenter Dan Walker, he ended up in a bit of a Twitter storm because he tweeted about this um, and he tweeted, you know, this this is the stat. What is happening to us? And he was accused of snobbery by a lot of righteous tweeters. So do you think that is a snobbish attitude, Hannah, to say what's happening to us? Why are so many people applying to Love Island? I mean, to compare Love Island to Cambridge is kind of ridiculous anyway, Mm. considering how easy it is to apply to Love Island and how hard it is to get into Cambridge. Like, surely that's a weird comparison anyway. You know what I mean? There's no point doing it. I think it is snobby. I think... um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's easy to kind of look down on these shows, but you're looking down on the kind of mass population of kind of like avant-garde. Mm. It's like avant-garde kitchen, so highbrow, lowbrow. Like, mm. you know, people enjoy that. And to the idea to suggest that, you know, someone, look, who's that Who's that Vic Hope? She mm. went to Cambridge and she's now the host of Shipwreck, mm. right? So, you know, right. they, so yeah. I think the idea that suddenly these are mutually exclusive mm. kind of concepts, you know, there are people who like, you know, my mum, she's a politician. Mm-hmm. She, you know, obviously very serious job, but she loves watch, she loves watching The X Factor. Mm. She loves watching EastEnders. Like there's this idea that you, you can enjoy something mm. that's quite, you know, easy washes over you kind of viewing. She loves Strictly. She'd love to go on Strictly. So Strictly producers yeah that's yeah. not really out of the question yeah. is it yeah. like yeah. no politicians have ever <laughs> yeah. been on that before so. I mean yeah yeah I mean well, she could I think she could dance better I than I'm with him maybe <laughs> maybe better than what's his name Ed Bull, Ed Bull. <laughs> anyway well, when this um, kind of row was going on some economists got involved uh, so a group <laughs> of analysts <laughs> no it's great <laughs> analysts at Frontier Economics Consultancy worked out that a Love Island contestant who gets to the final can expect to earn 2.3 million pounds over the last five years but the uh, poor old Oxbridge graduates over their lifetime will only earn on average 815,000 pounds more than pupils who leave their education after A-levels so the Wait, key distinction what, per person? So over their lifetime, oh, you're estimated okay. to earn, <laughs> what, yeah, what jobs are these yeah. <laughs> rather than your starting salary. But okay. if you get to the final, 
Love Island is more lucrative than Oxford or Cambridge. The point about this also is that I think something like that tweet where he's saying what is happening to us, Mm. I'm assuming that the kind of subtext there is supposed to be along the lines of why are people, it's like, it's something about ambition, right? Mm. Like we would rather put ourselves forward to something like Love Island than apply to Oxbridge. And Mm. the thing about that is that it's so blind to like the social context around those kind of decisions. Do you think that you would get in? Do Mm. you see yourself, I mean, we're going to talk in a sec about representation. Like, do you Mm. see yourself in Oxbridge, you see yourself in those institutions, how high do you think the chances that you'll ever be let through? And if you are let through, mm. what will that really bring for you? You know, well, something like Love Island, it just feels like a gamble where you probably, I don't know, I have no idea what the application but, process is, but you probably don't uh, feel like you have as much to lose just yeah, by putting I, yourself in Yeah, like exactly. That. I also said as a financial element to it, like you mm. can apply for Love Island, you go on it, you don't lose out on any money. Yeah, that's right? true. Whereas if you go to university, and let's take away Oxford and Cambridge, mm. just even a basic university degree nowadays, how much it costs mm. you've got that student lunch I'm still paying off my student loan Same. Right? so I just think like again it's going you know mm. that's probably another incentive for people that they don't lose out they don't lose anything by doing it so to pick up again on this representation question, the, the poll that I was exploring is a new YouGov real-time survey, which is about representation in television. Mm-hmm. Um, so before I go into it, I just wanted to do a, a go-around question. Can you name the TV or film character which you personally have found yourself identifying with the most in the past? Or maybe not necessarily the most, but mm. just someone on TV <laughs> where... You've you felt you've identified with with them in some way. <laughs> I find that so easy, Hermione Granger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. They're a bit nerdy, bit bossy, frizzy hair. <laughs> I'm Hermione. You know, when I was a kid, I looked so much like Emma Watson that when the oh, film really? came out, people called my dad and they were like, "Oh my god, she's famous!" No way. <laughs> It was really sad. Did you I like actually, do like um, lookalikes? <laughs> you could have gone to like could've, parties, yeah. couldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, I did. I did. I did. I went dressed up like as Hermione. Did you? Stuff. Got paid for it? No, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Hannah, um, I would say um, it's actually really recently. Um, there's this show called The Bisexual, which uh, is done by Desiree Caven, mm-hmm. and I'm not bisexual, but mm. she's an Iranian. Um, Iranian-American, actually, uh, actress and filmmaker. But this TV show is set in, like, East London, and she's kind of... She just has this kind of... She just relate. I related to her so much. Mm-hmm. Also because I am also... Um, I'm Arab, mixed mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of a whole, like, uh, awkwardness around dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also in a lead role, like, it's very rare for me to see someone who looks like me on screen mm-hmm. that isn't a terrorist, that isn't, you know, an ISIS bride or, mm-hmm. like, or, or really exoticized in some sort of way. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... And that was only... Only it came out, like, last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Any, any white cisgender men on TV, Stuart? So I feel like, so the, I think the answer is I really struggle to think of any, but because probably, like literally in complete contrast to you, there are so many yeah. that I, I can identify with so many, I don't identify with any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, or you don't notice when you, when you yeah. identify because, because it's not yes, a big deal. Because I, I also, I don't think there's anything particularly interesting about me. So also, <laughs> it's very difficult. I, if I had to pick one, I don't even think I do. It's just the first one that came to head to be Hugh Grant from About a Boy, which I don't even think that's good. To be I'm not even proud of that, but uh, there you go. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I am literally spoiled for choice, but I have too much choice and therefore... None at all. Uh, none at all. That makes sense. Um, my story on this is it's a bit of a cheat response but the so my, my, my family's I'm half German half 
Greek Cypriot mm-hmm. and my big fat Greek wedding <laughs> is just such oh, right. an iconic film in my family <laughs> because it is it, it was like so we went to see it in the cinema in Germany and I don't speak Greek sadly mm. but my mum obviously does and it was hilarious because the subtitles were like slightly delayed on the film whenever mm. they make so if you haven't seen the film a big it's about an American Greek woman who so that is a Greek immigrant family the daughter is born and raised in America she wants to marry an American and he'd mm-hmm. be the first American in this Greek family and it's the <laughs> hoo-ha about that and um, the cousins the Greek cousins are constantly trying to teach the guy Greek <laughs> yeah. but actually teaching him how to swear or say something stupid and so he really proudly is like I have three testicles yeah. and he's saying welcome to my house anyway it's funny and the subtitles just came slightly later right. and so my mum would be like cracking up and two three seconds later the whole cinema would follow and it was very enjoyable she gets a little head start yeah so it's a lot of fun and it comes up all the time at family reunions and stuff mm. and for me it's just a really nice example of how representation can mean mm. a lot to a small mm. community did you also enjoy the sequel My Big Fat Greek Wedding too? I'm, I don't know I really didn't because I just, I just felt like they, they rehashed all the same jokes for the next generation and they were such good jokes that yeah. we went back and we expected we expected so much mm. more. Anyway, so <laughs> the survey was, uh, please think about leading slash main characters in British TV shows. Which, if any of the following groups, do you think there should be more representation of in leading or main characters in British TV? And then people were given a list of everything from different body shapes and sizes to non-binary trans people, people with mental health conditions, different social classes, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the results really looking forward to this this is one of my favourite surveys we've commissioned oh yeah I really like this it's a really interesting one I think Mm -hmm. one thing that's really important to keep in mind when you think about the answers is how the proportion of people who think there should be more representation of a group compares to the proportion of people in the population who are of that Mm -hmm. group right so there's nothing where a majority of people say there needs to be more representation first Mm -hmm. off which is interesting in itself Um, the thing that most people think needs more representation is different body shapes and sizes, which a third of the population think needs more representation. 40% of women think this as opposed to 25% of men. Mm-hmm. It's also the biggest gender difference in responses is on that one. So around a quarter of people think that disabilities, different ages, different social classes and mental health conditions need more representation. Uh, and around a fifth think so for race and neurological conditions. Um, just one in six think that women need more representation, and that includes women, obviously. Mm. So I think that's quite interesting. So it's 18% of women think women need more representation in leading roles. So 82% of women think women are fully represented on TV. That is implied, yeah, in mm. leading slash main characters in British TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um on almost every form of diversity, and this I think is really interesting because very often when we talk about like intersectionality or solidarity and allyhood between different kind of minority groups, we talk about how if you're part of one group, it can be easier to to make sense of what it feels to be part of another. Mm-hmm. And kind of on that note, I suppose, women are consistently more likely than men to think that there needs to be more representation in every single group right. asked about. That's really interesting. Uh, except for men, uh, which 8% of men think need more representation. <laughs> All men. <laughs> compared to just 4% Won't somebody of please women. think of the men, okay? <laughs> Uh, so I'll stop there for now before I go into it anymore but those are just some of the top lines can I ask a quick question though just on the breakdown because I because when you we saw these stats before I was interested mm. what is the kind of breakdown of people that you ask is it kind of representative representative of the UK because yeah. obviously it doesn't surprise me that people don't think there's enough representation when the majority mm. of mm. the UK is white mm. so you know and I think a lot of backlash is there's kind of weird, people have an issue with identity politics and all this type of stuff so I think mm. you know I'd be interested to see the breakdown of that 
percent of women, how yeah. many of those were actually minority women, like women of color? Yeah. So that's why I'd be quite interested to see. But obviously. Yeah. So, no, it's a really good point. So YouGov surveys are representative of region, age, gender, income levels, uh, all of those things we can be certain of on ethnic minorities. When we are polling a nationally representative group, we can confidently say that, that there is a proportionate number of women or people of ethnic minorities within that group. Mm-hmm. It's just that if we were to hone in and just do a poll of ethnic minorities, it would be more difficult to say yeah. this is definitely a representative sample of people. Yeah. yeah. But I think we can confidently say for this that that has that yeah that it's a proportionate number basically um but it's interesting because if you compare like for example on disabilities so i was looking at some stats from scope which is a disability charity and it said around one in five people in the uk have a disability of some kind whether that's mental or physical Mm. and that kind of matches with the proportion of people who think there needs to be more representation of people with disabilities in tv which is between a fifth and and a quarter and where do we feel in terms of representation of people with disabilities or people with disabilities being on tv is that like because that's been quite a it's interesting uh, isn't yeah, it when you kind of again disability is such mm. a massive because it you can break down into yeah. whether you've got you know whether you're paraplegic or if you've got mm-hmm. a disability that's like what would they say is a silent disability or mm-hmm. kind of that kind mm-hmm. of so it's interesting like how you when you're when people are thinking about disability what are yeah. they thinking of in their head mm-hmm. because i think that actually is interesting as a tv show called um pure that's come out recently on Channel 4 and it's about mm. a woman who who basically oh, has OCD, OCD. Mm. but it's specifically for sexual components. So she can't stop thinking about sexual imagery and it's really every every second of the day and mm. she, it just mm. becomes this weird thing in her life and mm-hmm. she didn't even really realise it exists. That's quite an interesting no. kind of aspect. So that's another, mm. that's a representation of disability. But then, you know, you have other things. I think I saw a TV show mm. the other day and it was... It was someone from an obvious disability and it was a comedy series. I can't, oh, I wish I remembered the name yeah. of it now, mm-hmm. but it's kind of interesting. It's like, we'll ask our expert. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Hello? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Pure, that they're also, I think the way that something is represented is really important. So this is kind of, it's it's fairly like the light, the tone is quite lighthearted, right? But it's, yeah. it's, I think according to what I've read about it, it's quite an accurate representation of this condition. Whereas, Specifically with OCD, I think it's such a tick that people talk about, like, oh, I'm a bit OCD. Mm. Oh, I always tidy up because I'm quite OCD. So often you need to overcome kind of prejudices and before you represent something. And actually, uh, mm. I don't know why I put my hand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you want, <laughs> Hannah. Um, so you can't see it. Um, <laughs> I also think there's an issue of, and um, what we've seen a lot in horror movies, mm. just like horror genre, mm-hmm. is the way that mental health is also seen as a reason for why someone's a serial killer or someone's, yes. someone's attacking mm. and trying to change that kind of way of thinking, you mm. know. Unsane, I found that quite, uh, Unsane, that movie with Steven Soderbergh with Claire Foy and mm-hmm. this guy is kind of a stalker but then he's yeah, obviously yeah. got mental health issues but the kind of a association with because you've got this mental health issue suddenly you're more susceptible to being a kind of psychotic you know sociopath (laughs) so it's interesting kind of how we're trying to change it up a bit so so I think that touches really on the question of like what kind of representation and how Mm. do we represent so there was a big report that was done um, by Ofcom about the BBC where obviously it's like within their remit to reflect the UK um, in contrast to other you know TV channels and They did a a ton of research, both with people who work at the BBC and just with members of the public. Mm. And one thing that that came out that sort of stuck out to me was people basically saying, one, 
uh, specifically on the point of disability, we don't want to just see people with disabilities portrayed as a person with a disability where the only aspect that's interesting about them is being disabled. There's there's not that many people, uh, I, I can't think of any, characters on TV where the disability is incidental to, mm. to their role in that show. Like, yeah. There's a few, but like, hardly any. I, like I, I, I don't know, are we yeah. moving in the, in the right direction? I, I think like we haven't really talked about body positivity or body but, diversity. Mm, you're right about mm. that as well, body positivity. And like, if you consider some TV, like a lot of some movie, um, TV shows on Netflix, there's that insatiable. There's that. There's a bunch movie, that have come out now at the same movie, time. Mm. Yeah, dumpling, and yeah. and I and as, as much as like insatiable, everyone hated it, and I think quite rightly. What's I the plot of that? Insatiable is about this girl who gets her jaw wide shut because she gets punched in the face and then she suddenly becomes skinny and then she ends up becomes a beauty queen and she wants to get back at everyone who ever like oh, do you right. know what I mean it's weird but then Dumpling is similar with um, Daniel McDonald and Ra- Ra- um, I'm saying Rachel Jennifer Aniston <laughs> 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 um, and she's kind of she is you know she's a plus size woman whose mum's mm. like, in this town is like the well known beauty, beauty queen, queen and yeah. it's about her doing be, entering a beauty pageant mm. as herself and then that was obviously a nice, like a more positive way. But I mm. kind of feel I want to get to a point where someone shouldn't have to think that someone doesn't like them because of their size. It mm. should just be like it shouldn't, like you said, it shouldn't have to. Someone have to feel like insecure about their body because this guy fancies her. And it's like I can't wait to get to a point where we can move mm. past that and actually, like a person who is like plus size can actually just think, hey, someone fancies me. That's great. Mm. Rather than you know, despite the yeah, fact that just I'm not a size zero. Of, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, the, the stats show that. For every every area, though, the majority of people felt that there was enough representation, right? Uh, well, so the, there was an option at the end of it which was not applicable. I do not think there should be more representation of any of these groups in leading slash main characters in TV shows. And just 36% of people picked that. Mm. So you've got to be careful because I think there's a difference between people actively saying... Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think that we need more representation of any of these guys, which is what a third of the population have said, and Ooh. choosing not to pick <laughs> one of the options, if that mm. makes sense, is a yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. less active expression well, so of if opinion. It's not, if it's not something that you haven't considered that much, I can totally mm. understand, because yeah. these are one of those... All of these, I didn't have a kind of strong opinion about all of these when you first raised this, because I just hadn't really considered it that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can totally But I mean, that, that. so this is a really interesting... So I think this is a particularly interesting question for someone like, for an organisation like YouGov to ask mm. from the perspective of the fact that when we talk about surveys we generally kind of really speak in terms of like a majority is Mm. an important response Mm. but this is a question where almost by definition this is something that is going to be important to Mm. a minority of people true you know and so in that sense like it, it's it, you know it speaks to the question that you asked at the beginning, Hannah, of like precisely who is being asked and what proportion of each of those demographics mm. feels this is important. Because like for example, there's a show in the US called One Day at a Time, oh yeah, which is about to be well, which has been cancelled yeah. by Netflix, um, and it's about a Cuban American family and like very much kind of built in the Trump era about like with the daughter is lesbian and dating mm-hmm. a non-binary person and all this kind of stuff. and lots of the jokes are kind of based around that politics, and the and the the people in the show have said they've received so much like kind of of mail and stuff from fans who just say mm. I've never seen myself on TV mm. this means so much to me my daughter came out mm. around the time I was watching the show and this really helped me navigate that as a Latin American woman or whatever mm. like but it, but that's not going to be 90% of Americans it's going to be the, the mm. 20% of Americans that are of Latin American descent you know and that doesn't mean that that isn't a big enough proportion of people for there to be a valid business yeah, case and that's if you the have problem to go with Netflix to, isn't yeah. it it's like they're saying oh um, we don't get enough viewerships. We, mm. we haven't got enough people mm. watching it. So, oh yeah, we really don't think that this is the end of representation. It's like, we 
It is, isn't it? <laughs> because you're saying that the people who are watch it, watching it aren't impo- important enough mm. than the actual m- bigger, bigger viewership of like America across the world, mm. which again, this isn't made for you. Mm. And that's another thing we have to get behind. It's like, not, not everything you. is made yeah. for you. Black mm. Panther, it's not made for you. Captain mm. Marvel, it might not be, but you might not get it. I mean, mm. I find that, you know, a lot of what I see, I can understand this isn't made mm. for me, but I understand why people like it. Like one day at a time, like mm. I've watched a few episodes at the show. I don't relate to it too much, but that doesn't mean I don't think it should be on the TV. Yeah. It's, 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 it's sad. really weird that people don't think stuff should be on TV. It's like you, mm. you really you don't, don't need have to a watch choice it. not to watch yeah. it. But it's weird because Netflix, I mean... It's I, so easy. The problem with Netflix, though, they're so kind of uh, very, very kind of... Key- keep their viewing figures close to the show. They just yes. throw out these mm. stats willy-nilly. It's like, oh, well, Bird Box has been watched by 75 mm. million subscribers. Has it? Has it has And it they done don't that? have to answer to anyone. Yeah, they don't have to answer. But then they'll spend millions on having Friends reruns, but they won't pay for this TV show. Like, we've all seen Friends. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen it. We've seen we every episode again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something new. It's about diverse friends. and diverse friends. friends. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, let's do a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one point, I think, perhaps to end on, that I think is is interesting is that for almost every form of diversity asked about, young people were two or three times more likely than older generations to say that it needs more representation. Oh, right. Um, the only exceptions being people of different ages, which makes oh. sense, uh, where 18 to 34-year-olds and those aged 55 plus were about on the same level of how many people, of, of, of the fact that there needed to be more uh, leading characters of different age groups, mm-hmm. which is about 25% that think that. And then also, interestingly, people of different social classes, where although young people are still more likely to think that more representation is needed, it was a less stark difference mm-hmm. than, for, than for some of the other points. So that might point towards the fact that among yeah, younger viewers, representation is, mm. is increasing important and and similarly in the 18 to 24 age group it was only 22% who said I don't think there needs to be more representation of any of these groups Mm. so there's again an implication of what 78% saying Mm. yes at least one of these could be a little bit more representation and if these things are driven by consumer demand as Netflix claims Mm. that's an indication that there will be improvement thank God for young people (laughs) (laughs) cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Right. I'm going to ask you all, how much TV do you watch? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> um, weird if the answer is yeah, <laughs> no, definitely a lot. I think I, I have about probably like at least fifteen shows that I watch on a weekly basis. Oh my God. But they, you know, they're like twenty. You know, it can be twenty minutes to forty minute episodes. Something. Yeah. I mean, that's not even including the movies I watch. For. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a lot of screen time. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's very much and and even you know I, again, not everything that I watch I write about at all mm. or kind of talk about. So uh, yeah, no, I am such like a square. <laughs> How square many square. hours a week do you reckon? Oh, probably like I mean. 
over 20 would that be does that sound three hours right? a day more right. than that less than that I mean if you well I mean this is TV mm. and film I'm going to mm. say like over okay. 20 hours for, sh- for sure but then you know sometimes like there'll be a a binge session, you know. Mm. I remember. I remember. What did I watch recently? I've been watching The Umbrella Academy, although mm, I'm not <laughs> not that, that not that's old. But you know what I mean. I can kind of kind of go in and watch a lot of stuff. Or mm. well, I mean, I really like old classics. Like sometimes I've just been rewatching like Thirty Rock or or Parks and Rec. <laughs> I love those Thanks shows. <laughs> I call them old classics. <laughs> uh, Matilda, um, I will often go a week without watching TV. I don't watch TV that much. It's not really the kind of media I just listen to loads of podcasts and I, I, so I'm not including films I kind of watch films again not that much but if I don't have a tv show on the go which I don't at the moment I'll probably watch maybe an hour a week when was the last time you watched tv um, I watched University Challenge last night okay. <laughs> I was going to actually mention something actually I don't watch tv live mm. I don't watch live tv mm. I stream yeah, everything, and oh, I watch on cap- catch up, and yeah. that's all I do. I think the so your last... answer is zero. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, we're, I mean, we're we, changing. We it's, it, it's kind of progressed, and it's kind of evolved how we watch TV. TV. That's why when you have ratings now and figures, they also include, um, you know, on demand and stuff mm. like catch up and all those figures. So. Yeah, I'll change what I said. I streamed the University Challenge yesterday. Victoria, similarly, only watch streaming or on demand stuff. I probably watch about. Four or five hours a week, I'd say. Generally, I'm watching like one or two shows a week and then a movie. Uh, I don't know how much I watch. Probably about 20 hours. I watch quite a lot of TV. Mm. Um, when it's on. When it's on. Mm. I Yeah, I watch... If there's sport on TV, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. I'll try and make an effort to watch that live, mm-hmm. particularly if it's uh, international sport. Uh, I will watch the news a lot. <laughs> I will watch the news mm. an absolute lot. <laughs> and like news programs generally generally. Yeah. Uh, I, I should th- hope so. Well <laughs> I don't. I feel like I shouldn't admit that, but I don't watch but if you consume it otherwise, it's fine, right? Yeah. But I I prefer to consume it via TV. Mm. Um so I, I'd say I watch probably like 25, 30 hours of TV a week, roughly. Mm. Most of it news, but that's mm. fine. Uh how much <laughs> do you think the average Brit watches of TV, not including streaming services such as Netflix? Uh, oh, they're not fifteen that hours. Fifteen. What do you think? If it's not including streaming then that's a huge oversight because isn't that, isn't that how most people consume TV? Am I? Well, the answer is 22 hours, not including streaming, oh. which is quite interesting. Oh, I'm pretty average. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I asked that because the actual YouGov real-time poll uh, wasn't actually that. It was actually a separate poll where, where they asked respondents to ask if they which pieces of tech they could live without. Right. And they offered the options of the internet, uh, glasses and contact lenses. But uh, surely that depends. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, computers... Car, smartphone, TV, a watch, and headphones. And the answer was 49% of people said they could live without TV. Mm. So half the populations reckon they could live without TV, which is interesting. The uh, most interesting breakdown with this was by age, obviously, probably, obviously. But I was quite surprised by just how how sort of dramatic the trend was. So mm. 18 to 24-year-olds, for young people, 66% of people said they could live without TV. Which right. is really they must high. have been assuming they, they assume they could have a laptop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, and I think, that's but, but I, I think thinking. this is interesting because it is. I think it's a different experience. Whereas you go up to sort of sixty-five plus, we're looking at thirty-six percent of people said they could live without it. So two-thirds of people said they couldn't live without TV. Mm. I definitely think I've thought about this a lot before in terms of like so. I, so I don't have a TV at home. I only watch TV over uh, on my laptop. Mm. 
And I'm sometimes like a bit sad that I'm missing out on the broadcast I feel really, really passionate about this. Yeah. I, and only in doing research on this have I discovered how passionately I feel about this. I feel like TV can be a, such a strong bonding societal mm. agent, essentially. I really do think that. Like, it feels to me like if something is on TV and you're watching it as, as a more than an individual mm. plugged into your plugged into internet or your stream service or whatever or watching on catch-up if you feel you're part of a community tv can really 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 do that engender that sense of community that's true I when think. i had housemates i watched way more tv and we yeah. used to watch it together but i don't anymore so I yeah watch way less. i think you're right i mean when the baftas are on or kind of a big event on i will always tweet i remember when it was the actual royal wedding wasn't mm. it and i remember tweeting on that that's quite funny <laughs> you're kind of at everyone's in it together that's probably the last time that i've ever like sat down and watched yeah. something known for I think a fact the last that there was, other people mm, doing it too i think it was alan partridge actually the first episode Episode. I remember yeah, event, doing right? that, doing that one, which is quite. I agree. I think it's just. I suppose. I mean, I would do. It, I would do it more. Just. I mean, my priorities at the moment. The reason I watch, don't watch it live, is because I'm out of an evening. Or mm. I think a lot of people now are spending. I suppose people my age. I'm 30, so I think the 18 to 34 maybe are watching it because they're out on the evening. They're doing experiences and mm. kind of because they know they don't have to. I mean, we don't. It's not like you know. I remember not wanting to go to ballet class on a Saturday when I was a kid because yeah. Adventures of Superman was on at 6:45, <laughs> and I had to quit ballet because I wanted <laughs> to see that TV show. I remember <laughs> running. I mean, I know, I know, I could have been a prima ballerina, guys, but you know, so Dean Kane <laughs> called. Um, but I think it's just because there's the option of watching it in other places that there's mm. not mm. people don't feel the reliance to actually. But do it I, then. I but, agree with you, but I think actually, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that people should do it, mm. but what I think it does symbolise is how fractured we have increasingly become, mm. yeah. and and we are. So I had a little look at the top ten. Um, TV shows, uh, most watched TV shows in the UK. In the UK. And it's Ooh, can we guess? Really, really interesting. Yes, you may guess. Bake Off. David Bake Attenborough off. on the list. Most watched TV shows. Planet Bake Earth. Off. Are you serious? <laughs> really? EastEnders. This is really interesting. Like, it's just nowhere near any of these things. What? EastEnders, oh. Coronation Street. No, 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 no. David Attenborough. No, the reason this is interesting. I haven't no. got a clue. Kids, so, kids shows. shows. No. It's really looking at us like we're all yes, in deep trouble. Of course it's news. I it's was like going to say news. I thought that was a trick question. Events. It's like news events. Stuff, nothing is a major news event unless it's on TV right so for example the most not for example the most watched mm. tv show or tv uh, program in the uk was the 1966 world cup final which was watched by 32 million people oh i didn't know you meant I ever thought, i mean I, even you didn't ever <laughs> i would have like you know oh, right, okay. okay prince charles and diana's wedding come on every single royal <laughs> wedding there has ever been uh, well, no, it's, diana's it's, funeral so it's interesting diana's funeral was second the third one was the royal family which is a documentary documentary mm, aired yeah. in 1969 which no one has been allowed to watch since 1972 i discovered in research which yeah, is got banned. very what? interesting why is that uh, because there was a real backlash to it, um, and the Queen felt that the Queen didn't do a Queen speech that that year because she felt oh that God. people had enough of the royal family that year. So mm. Year one year, I don't think she's done it. Oh, interesting. And there was a real sort of backlash against the royal family. Around Do the tapes that. still exist? Uh, they must have. Well, well, no, I tell you right? what, though. So I learned this actually. I learned this recently that actually back in the day, because they used to film on tapes, and because Mm. they actually there's so many classic BBC shows Mm. that are totally lost because they just wiped the tapes. Didn't digitize. They didn't teach it. And actually, there's a story about Monty Python about how you know their TV show, and apparently after season after a couple of seasons they were done, and then the BBC was like, okay, well that's done. Let's just recycle these tapes. 
But apparently, oh um, Terry Jones' mate was working at the archive and said, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, he got down there and actually met, and they ended up going to a video, like a shop, buying all these VHS tapes no and swapping them because they just do. And the BBC were like, oh, we got fresh tapes. But can you Bit imagine? Nice. Think how much. Like, I, guess these quite, I guess they were quite expensive tape, tapes back then. Like, yeah, yeah. I, think it's like, I mean, how many times have physical you got storage space over like, yeah. you know, things at home? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. we used to have VHS have Die Hard yeah. with Vengeance <laughs> recorded over like my first birthday. I think mean, we used to have like well, fights of recording over each other. So, Vengeance is a great movie. <laughs> to go back to my boring poll. <laughs> uh, so what was also interesting about of the top 10, um, only one, well, it's, it's two, but it's the two of them, but they're kind of the same thing. Uh, only one of them was watched or uh, happened in the last, I think it's like 20 years. Uh, 20 years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what that was? The top last 10 most, 20 years. What, what was most watched in the last 20 years? Last 20 years, X Factor final. No, again, it's the sense of community. It was the Summer Olympics in 2012, oh, the yeah. opening and closing opening ceremonies. ceremonies. Wow. Opening and closing. Um, but again, I, I'm not like saying, oh, people should start watching TV again mm. because the conversation around shows doesn't increasingly take place online as well, where you, ha- you yeah, it's easy to find say. a community around the show that's only watched by one million people. And if 20 years ago, if you watched a show about one million people and you went to school, you probably wouldn't be able to talk to anyone about it. Mm. And now you can talk to probably half of those people in an online forum somewhere, which is really interesting. Mm. But I also find it a little bit sad, but I shouldn't, but I do. (laughs) There's also a flip side to it because I know when I go home for Christmas and just say we're watching like a live thing, and I'm on my phone tweeting about it. My mum's mm. like, get off your phone. Mm. Like, why are you on your phone? And like, there's that whole thing with Bandersnatch about how <clears throat> half the time we're kind of, we're I so distracted on another screen mm. that actually that show forces you to pay attention because you've got to make choices. Mm. So actually kind of how much are we paying attention to what we're watching if we're talking to people in a what, group WhatsApp, mm, on Twitter? Do you know what I mean? So there's actually kind of a different side mm. of it. So yeah, it's communal, but it's also you're not really appreciating why can't we just watch stuff? It's like, why mm. can't you just go to a festival, like a festival music gig mm. instead of Without recording it? Either, stop yeah. watching it through the screen, just watch it. That's right there. You know what I mean? So do, do I quite th- like watching things with subtitles because I do find that I engage with them much better. Oh, my eight-year-old son started yeah. doing that a lot, actually. Since yeah. I'm like, well, no. I was like, oh no, actually keep them on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you, Hannah, do you think like TV is in terminal decline and, uh, and at some point... We'll, we'll all stop watching TV and it'll all be streamed. Um, I feel that potentially could be mm. the logical move. But then I do think it's the same way still people still buy the Radio Times. Mm. You know what I mean? I think there's some institutions mm. why people, as much as we say the print industry is dying, people still want to buy papers. So I think while this, it could potentially move on as generations like kind of move on and they kind of fade away and suddenly mm. this, you know, in the way we consume stuff. But I don't know. I think there's something about having the box in the corner. And like you, like you said, even even if it isn't just... Um, you're talking to people outside who are on their phones and stuff. There is a thing about having living room set up and everyone watching as a family or watching together, like watching with your housemates. Mm. So I would, I would hope that. I mean, I want to get to a point where I can just sit down and watch TV. Mm-hmm. But um, again, the way it's changed, you can, I have Apple TV now, so I watch my, I watch my shows through the TV. So even mm. if it's through streaming, you can still have that television experience. So maybe mm. the way it comes in is different. Maybe it's not through a cable. Maybe it's through the internet or whatever, but yeah. I don't think but you said have... you said. Do you think streaming will replace watching TV? In my mind, I just don't have that distinction. Yeah, yeah. I think of them as being the same thing. Yeah, and I often stream things by sitting on the sofa and watching them on TV. It doesn't mean that I'm like in my fo- on my I, phone. I think there is, yeah. no, there is a definite age difference here. Yeah, I'm, I'm like what 15 years older than you, or something like that. 10, 15 years older than you, mm. and and even so, I have two children, eight and five, and my TV habits have changed 
since they started watching TV. Mm. And I even now, there is something different, innately different within me to them watching CBBS or whatever, and then watching something on Netflix. It is just different, mm. and I don't know why it's different, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> End to of me, that. <laughs> honestly, and, and that's I, that. There's, there's, it's just a, a bizarre. I don't, I don't want it. Is it feels like if they if they want to watch like Dragons or How to Train a Dragon on T on Netflix mm. and stuff, the, the the TV show, it just it feels like they're they're restricting themselves to the things they love, which is a bizarre thing to say, but also. There's no accidental journey in streaming. It's mm-hmm. not that, that that sort of fortuitous thing that's you come true. across. You don't come and stumble, and up, that's really, stumble upon things. And that's really sad to me. I also think there's an important distinction that we haven't really gone into from like between news and like entertainment television for like to draw it as a as a as a really I don't know, there are probably more boundaries than that. But mm. I, I still think so there's a the way that I whenever I think about the kind of decline of broadcast I think about it in the context of like everyone huddling around their radio when Mm. there's just been you know I mean god this morning there was the like awful news from New Zealand about the attack on the mosques right like back in the day let's say everyone would have found out about that at the same time in the morning switching on the tv and and listening to the eight o'clock news or whatever Mm. and now we all found out about it probably through like push notifications to your phone from the publication that you personally have the app from, which means it's immediately angled in a particular way to a particular audience. And that's different, right? Mm. Like that's a different conceptualization of the world and of, of the news. And for me, that's something that I think about more than I do think about like things like TV shows. I think coming back to what we talked about on representation, I think it's no bad thing that I can go on Netflix and find the show that, that, that I like, that I identify with. And that's great. But I'm more concerned a little bit, I mm. think, at the notion that there isn't just a kind of first source of news that we all share and trust broad, and trust yeah mm. I, I think there more so is in the uk than anything else as well with the bbc though like i think many many countries don't have that either. yeah and, and it's yeah, not i'm true. sorry i'm not here to news now is kind of obviously we've gone to rolling news 24 hours news channels have been around for ages but it's the kind of we only talk about one subject I don't feel like there's so much going on in the world. But, you know, do you remember when it was, um, oh, God, when baby number, raw baby number one was coming mm. along, Kate? Mm. And it was just focus on that door. Mm. And we were just watching this door. And you have every <laughs> single channel was on this door. And I'm like, is there not anything else going on <laughs> yeah. in the world right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many. Was presenting what outside I find the door, is really but... fascinating. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like, again, news as entertainment. Mm. Kind of, we only talk about the tops kind of subjects things that we that to be honest you know there's 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 terrible things going on in the world Mm. um that we barely even talk about um and it feel it feels like i don't feel like i know enough because the news outlets that i trust like the bbc and sky news Mm. they're constantly doing the same things every single show always goes back always finds back because i've got 30 seconds if you're not watching it at the right time you're going to miss anything that's about anything else Mm. so i i think there's something about you know that it's it's interesting we talk about you know like the clickbait culture and like what Mm. what sells and you know positioning what we think is going to do more clicks or more people going to tune in Mm. and actually i think like you said i wish there was one just news channel or one thing where it says we're going to cover everything in an equal way mm. i feel like we we have a bit of a down on tv um, generally we think it's sort of kind of like a bit sinful in some ways uh, there's obviously mm. fantastic things about it but it still feels like a, a, vice. a slight vice yeah mm. um, you should um, be outside yeah but, and it <laughs> yeah. feels like it's a modern thing but I was, when i was doing a little bit of reading around this as uh, i found a fantastic quote from uh, aldous huxley in brave new world which was of course published in 1932 quite a few years ago mm. uh, in which he described uh, a hospice of the future in which every bed had a tv set at its foot and the quote <laughs> is television was left on 
a running tap from morning till night. <laughs> so even then, like 80 odd years ago, there's still a sense from, you know, a supreme intellect that mm. perhaps it wasn't all that cool. Well, I think there are moral, moral panics about all new technologies. Yes. So mm. I'm That's not fussed by that. Half of say they could live without it, right? That was where we um, started. Half of yeah. Brits said they could live without it. Well, I don't believe them. <laughs> I give it a week. <laughs> So what are we saying Britain is a nation of? We are hooked on TV, right? I think so. But a lot of people feel they can do without it. I, I think that the kind of, I think what we've learned is that the concept of TV has fundamentally changed. So actually, as much as people say they can live without it, we're a screen culture yeah. now, for mm-hmm. sure. We, whether it's reading newspapers on our iPhones, whether it's watching Netflix on, you know, so on it's not, iPads. So we're not tele addicts in the in No, the we're screen addicts, screen for sure. Addicts. Yeah, I think and that's we're doing it, changing. We're doing it by ourselves. People create their own their own kind of TV schedule mm. but when it comes to big things Everyone's like like royal weddings I'll yeah. tune in it, it, you're right like people are are coming at, coming together for the big stuff but when it comes to you know on their daily lives they just want to do the things watch and watch it mm. the way they want to so what are we what is Britain the nation of we so like we, we choose our own schedules now rather than watching true. things in Quite the life DIY we want to watch the things that we like that we identify with mm-hmm. but we all come together for the big stuff like Love Island and the other <laughs> are, we a, are, we picky, are we Britain is a nation of picky viewers I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds really like voyeuristic and weird. Picky. Picky view. I do Through the keyhole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you'd like to see the full results of these surveys, visit YouGov or find in-depth articles and analysis on uk.news.yahoo.com forward slash Biano. We'll be back next week with more discussion around British stats and behaviour. So please subscribe if you've enjoyed today's show and feel free to reach out on Twitter using hashtag Biano. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.